You are listening to a production of the Toll Network, home of Biting Analysis. This is Moonspeak, Phase 2, Episode 28, Talking It Out. Uh, hey everyone, this is Sano. And I'm Amit, welcome to Moonspeak Phase 2, your source for weekly Sailor Moon Crystal Season 3 discussion and analysis. Uh, let's see, we're going to be talking about uh, Sailor Moon Crystal 31, Act 30, Infinity 4, Haruka Tenno, Michiru, Kai-O, Sailor Uranus, Sailor Neptune. Um... I actually have some things to talk about in the credits section this week. Um, I can't find anything that indicates a different recording of the opening, but it definitely sounded like it, or was that just me? Oh, no, it sounded like a different recording, and I'm pretty sure it was a different singer, right? It sounded like it, but I can't find anything uh, that would indicate, that, like, indicated a change uh, in that. Um, so if anyone knows about that, uh, feel free to contact us, uh, and Please. we'll, we'll make a correction to that, um, next episode. Um, we do have a new ending as of this episode, um, Maiden's Advice, which is sung by Chibiusa's voice actress, uh, Misato Fukuen, um, and it's adorable. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you there. <laughs> Um, I, I watched it on Hulu, so I didn't catch all the words, of course, because, you know, my Japanese proficiency is uh, probably like a one-month-old. Uh, so, uh, it, but it was a cute song overall. I recognized a handful of words. Um, <laughs> that is the best I can do. Um, I still don't have any specifics per episodes, but after poking around a little harder than I had been before... Um, and by that, I mean I went to a different Wikipedia page. Um, I managed to at least find our lead, the names of our leads. Um, so our lead director is Chiaki Khan, uh, and she's a fairly prolific uh, director and storyboard artist. She did um, episodes of Bleach, uh, Hitalia, The Beautiful World, uh, Nodame Cantabile, a couple others. Um our lead producers are uh, Junichiro, uh, I, I can't pronounce it, <laughs> um, Suchia, Suchia, there we go. Um, I'm ashamed of myself because it's the same uh, surname as Jace, uh, Jake's voice, uh, Jake's actor from Forza, and there was a time at which I could pronounce that, and I am tired today, and I just couldn't get those letters to make sense in my head just now. Uh, but Junichiro Suchia, uh, who notably was the producer on the first four Pokemon movies, um, a good handful of Detective Conan movies, Fairy Tale, um, and seems to have been the producer on most, if not all, of the Monogatari uh, different Monogatari anime series, um, as well as Ruka Tanaka. Um, but as far as I can tell, this is Tanaka's first producing job. Um, hmm. I could be wrong about that. Feel free to correct me, but, uh, the, you know, lists that I found only listed Sailor Moon Crystal. 
Um, our lead writer, and this is for both uh, Infinity and the previous uh, two seasons, is uh, Yuji Kobayashi, who wrote on Smile and Sweet Precure and Saint Say Omega. Uh, Mutsumi Ito also wrote episodes on the first two seasons of Crystal. I'm not sure if she's also writing on Infinity. Uh, it only listed uh, Yuji Kobayashi for both seasons, but um, the episode lists do indicate uh, Mutsumi Ito writing episodes on the first two seasons, so I'm not sure if she's also writing on Infinity, but I, I should probably acknowledge her either way. Uh, she wrote on Fresh, Heart Catch, and Sweet Precure, as well as Digimon Cross Wars. Uh, so I've never seen Precure. I haven't either. <laughs> suffix names are really peculiar, like... Sweet? Is it like a Magical Girl Hotel show? Are they in Bellhop? Never mind. That's not a criticism. Sweet, I think, might have been... I don't get it. Sweet may have been the playing card-themed one. I know one of them was. I don't Hmm. know which one. I know absolutely nothing about Precure. It's visually hard on me, so I haven't watched it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, uh, Digimon Crosswords had the same effect on me. I, I didn't want to look at it very much, so I tried an episode and then I said no. And I was also watching the dub, and they renamed the protagonist Mikey from Taiki, and I just thought, why? You had a, a Tetsuya in a previous uh, season. Anyway, sorry. Um, Lo- localizing names is always a, a bizarre, a bizarre thing. <laughs> I mean, it's. It's not a good idea, but it's also just a bizarre thing to witness. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's as much as I have as far as credits go right now. Again, if someone knows of any reliable listings for, you know, episode by episode who did uh, direction and, and uh, writing, uh, animation direction and all of that, I would be more than welcome to... To that, inf- to having that information passed to us, so I could uh, credit people properly. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, okay, well, let's get moving. Um, I will talk about what was glimpsed in the water mirror this time. Uh, Neptune and Uranus attack the Sailor Guardians. Haruka double downs on the aggression uh, by threatening to eat Usagi and uh, almost maybe forcing herself on her a little bit, questioning the weight gender should be given in the matter of their interactions. Mamoru interrupts and spends a lot of time in uncomfortable silence with Usagi until homesick Chibiusa pawns off her artwork homework um, on her future parents to bring them back together. Usagi and Mamoru share a dream of the deity of destruction and wake up holding hands, which was super sweet. Uh, Ami takes a chance to investigate Mugen Academy and is outed as a Sailor Guardian, but not before discovering cages full of diamond in an off-limits laboratory. Vilui of the Witches 5 um, tries to take Ami's host, which I'm guessing might be her soul or something because of the way it was talked about in here, mm. and keep her body as a vessel. But Michiru and Haruka interrupt Henshin and defeat the level 202 Deathbuster. Which was pretty boss. Uh, so, uh, our rough demands, uh, was, what kind of rubbed us the wrong way this episode? 
Uh, as I kind of hinted at in, in that recap, uh, Haruka was edging into that uncomfortable territory for me uh, in the park with Usagi. Uh, and then this is like kind of a big nitpick and maybe speculative and stuff, so I'll just run through this one. In the lunar base, uh, there's a discussion of Haruka and Mitru having been reincarnated, maybe? Um, Pluto is, and like, I think in Sailor Moon Crystal, they've only said incarnated, not reincarnated, so like, that's a thing too. Um, Pluto is named in a similar way to them, like her human identity or whatever, um, and like, the two of them seem to have a long history, Haruka and Mitru, so, like, couldn't they be as long-lived as she is? I feel like they should be, and that would work really well, but the narrative is kind of dismissing that as a possibility at this point, it seems to me. Uh, Luna calls them legendary guardians, but Artemis talks about them being incarnated, um, again, or into this generation or whatever, so it's like, or so because of an urgent matter, and, like, you know, something they have to be here born to... Uh, handle, or, I, I don't know, maybe they're in, like, space capsules, and their bodies just somehow got sent here. I, it's a weird, a really weird thing, and I don't quite understand. Yeah, there was a lot of really weird, ambiguous wording about, that described uh, Uranus and Neptune, and it felt kind of off to me, um, because I do understand what their role is in kind of the grand Sailor Guardian scheme, and I had to go watch it a second time to really make sense of the phrasing, but I think this is all really more of a subbing issue than anything else. Um, again, because I can't understand the actual dialogue, um, so I'm not sure exactly how the nuance is being described, so I can't uh, totally put blame on the show. I think Luna mentioned Pluto just to be like, Hey, you remember Pluto who did that job that wasn't quite what you guys do? Yeah, there's more Guardians that do other jobs. Um, but Pluto exists outside of time, and that's why she's kind of separated from this reincarnation cycle. Whereas uh, Haruka and Mitru fall a little closer to uh, everything that's happened with the inner girls, as far as that goes. Um... Okay. Also, just, um, I also had this kind of nitpick. There's the opening scene where they're confronting Haruka and Michiru at the stage, and Michiru, like, brings up the violin and starts playing, and the way that the music hits as she starts playing felt really awkward, because it's this kind of heavy rock music juxtaposed with Michiru, um, who never really has that tied to her. And it all just felt, like, very comical and awkward. Hmm. As opposed to, like... Like, she's clearly not playing that. Because you can hear just violin screeching under it, which is right. her. And, like, that's what she's attacking them with. But the music is louder than that. And, like, the the moment that it hits is when she starts playing. So it seems like it's coming from her. And it just felt very, very odd. It was a very odd choice, um, as far as sound direction goes. I, uh, can't really argue with that. Um. Uh, so what were, what were our frills for the episode? What did we like? Uh, okay, so Chibius' desire to make the legendary Holy Grail brings, uh, Usagi and Mamoru together. Uh, when they'd just been, you know, not distant, um, or like, you know, 
there was tension between them shortly before, and she swoops in with this thing, and it works, which is really cool. It kind of reminded me of the parent trap, and uh, except it was just her and Diana doing it, um, and it was very cute. Um, I was very happy to see Mamoru and Usagi talking things out, and actually, kind of like talking things out was a theme through this episode. Um, I can't remember who it was, I think maybe it was Ray said, hey, what was that, talismans? That's a talisman? Oh, so are you guys the ones who've been giving us these dreams about the talismans? And, like, information got passed around and shared between these disparate groups, and, like, now, uh, Mamoru and Usagi you know that Chibi Usa had been, or had met Michiru and, or had ridden in their helicopter. So, like, I like all the information getting shared this episode, and it makes me feel a lot happier about all the tension, uh, that was previously... Uh, like in the last episode and before where people weren't talking as much as I would have liked. So, anyway, that's good stuff. Uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I really love Mamoru. This kid humbles me all the time. He's so sensitive and understanding. His ability to generously interpret things is so laudable and inspirational. Um, and I always feel like a bad husband and dad when I watch the show and he, like, gets to shine. <laughs> Man, I should be like this guy. Um... <laughs> Uh, I was really touched by Usagi's kindness when she said she could feel Haruka's anguish. Uh, I, I got a lot more. Um, Ami read No Admittance uh, in the hallway, and uh, as she was, like, skulking around the school after destroying that camera, and, like, she promptly admitted herself, and that's when she found all those diamond in cages. Because she's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, Haruka and Michiru uh, giving Ami an assist was cool, and shades their characters in a more complicated way for me, at least, because, like... I don't see them as bad guys, but they're not great, and it's just, they're very complicated, and I like that. Um, Ami jumped out of a window and did a falling henchin into a pool, and that was so boss. Uh, we had a Furuhata Motoki cameo, and that really made me happy, because I don't think we've seen Motoki in, like, at all this in Season 3, have we? I don't think so. If If we have, it's just been in passing at Crown. But right. we got to see, like, him and his girlfriend hanging out and being like, <laughs> hey, let's let's all go out for drinks tonight. <laughs> like, doing what normal college people do. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then, like, Pluto's disguising herself as a student at Chuban University, I guess? Is that is that accurate? Yep. Okay. Sure, I, I is, sure is what she's doing. <laughs> okay. So that was interesting, and it just, like, has me really interested. And then the, uh, the ending, uh, was it Maiden's Advice, you said? Yes. Okay, it reminded me of My Neighbor Totoro, and uh, that's always a good thing. Uh, Chibs was super <laughs> cute in this episode, and, you know, looking out for her parents. And, I mean, I, I liked kind of how close she was with Usagi in this episode. Um, you know, she comes in, and she actually just goes and sits on Usagi's lap, even though, like, Mamoru isn't anywhere near them. She wants to know, like, hey, Usagi, what's what's up? What's going on? Um, and I I love that she, like, saw there was this tension between her parents, and she just kind of sets to work closing that gap so they can work it out. And, I mean, the two of them finally talking it out was great. They've had a rough couple of days, and, you know, they needed something to snap them out of their own heads before finally being able to, you know, really work it out with each other. And that felt, like, really true to life. Because it's so easy to just get caught in your own head and, like, the worst-case scenarios of everything. And you kind of need to snap out of that and realize, you, like, okay, but, you know, it could also work out fine if we maybe just talk about it for five minutes. 
Um, I really loved the scene of the whole Moon family, like, in Mamoru's bed, and Mamoru, like, reaching over to touch Usagi's hand because he's worried about, like, the situation, and just having contact with her, like, makes it easier. It was, I just thought all of that was really sweet. Yeah. Um, I'm so agreed on how much of a boss Ami was this episode. Like, from the start, she's charging into this dangerous situation to investigate, but she makes sure everyone else knows what's going on. And, like, she's able to kind of be lighthearted about it when talking to them so they're not, like, panicking. But she's like, hey, just, I'll call you. Just stay there, and if anything happens, I'll let you know. Um, which is good, because that was a thing that wasn't happening uh, when everyone went out into the mountains. Uh we talked about kind of the the communication problems within the team beyond just, you know, Usagi and Mamoru. And, like, even that was solved this episode. Hmm, That's a good point. I totally didn't catch that. Um, But, like, Ami just being able to charge in so fiercely and bring the fight uh, was so good just because of how timid Ami was to start with. Um, You can really see how far she's come. And the out-the-window dive henshin was the best. It was so cool to see them break away from the stock footage and kind of use that time more efficiently. I mean, I again, I love the new stock footage, but I also think it's really good to, like, break away from stock footage when you can. Um, and I, I didn't really expect them to do that uh, kind of in this interpretation of Sailor Moon. Um, I also like Viloui's little hat. Her hat is adorable, and I think she has a really neat design. Uh, so um, what? Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just I, gonna. I really like Billy's pants. <laughs> yeah, she I has. She has a really dumb. cool design. No, yeah, she really I'm sitting here talking about her tiny little hat thing. Her like weird drape <laughs> fabric hat, whatever it is. She has a really neat character design, though. Again, I really like the designs for the Witches Five. I think they're. It's kind of a really good uh, group of designs. Yeah. Uh, so what are our quotes for this week? Um, okay, I have, if they attack us again, we will have no choice but to fight against those two. And that was Minako to Usagi uh, regarding how uh, how serious of a threat Haruka and Michiru uh, may be to them. Um, um, and, and I mostly like that because... Um, it was cool to see Minako slip back into, like, I am the chief knight protecting this princess of ours. And it was also really, uh, it made me, the scene had Usagi saying, but they're our allies, aren't they? And the other girls were just saying, like, no, they aren't, or they're not acting that way right now. And they clearly said that. And she just wants to, she's so conflicted, and it's so strong, and... I'm really enjoying this conflict for Usagi. And I, I feel terribly for her, but it's great drama to watch. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, it looks like they've made up. Chibiusa uh, saying that to Diana um, as they're pretending to be asleep while Usagi and Mamoru kind of work through the issues that they've been having um, and kind of get to the end of it. And they're like, okay, we're, we, we did some silly things and we maybe jumped to some conclusions, but now we're, now we're good because we talked it out, and Chibs is happy because of that. And, you know, her and Diana share this little kind of parent trap wink, and it was 
adorable. Yeah, that was so sweet. <clears throat> uh, okay, so, uh, we are now to the Inquisition. Uh, it's time for the questions four, inspired by this episode. Uh, what is the significance of the, you know, letter or syllable sa- dash O uh, naming convention for all three uh, outer senshi? Um, O is generally a suffix that points to nobility. Um, so the three of them, their last names all indicate them as rulers of a thing relating to them. Like, Haruka's is, she's the Sky King, Michu is the Sea King, um, Setsuna's is Darkness, um, which leads, uh, back towards Pluto, the counterpart of Pluto being Hades, um, depending on which mythology you're looking at, um, and Pluto slash Hades being the god of death, so hers is more of a reference to her planet than her powers specifically. Um, the inner's all have these sort of names too uh not ending in the the o suffix um but their names all reference uh kind of their powers and who they are um everyone's surname ends in no which hmm. de- which denotes uh the possessive or ownership uh tsukino of the moon hino hmm. of fire mizuno of water um i know of love right yeah Kino, uh, of wood or tree. Hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of different sites. This is all pretty easy to look up that kind of break down everyone's names and the meanings behind them. And it's pretty neat to, you know, read, uh, if you have the free time to go look at that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that more later. Um, so this question was more for you and I was going to guess guess that O meant ruler, like ruler of whatever, because, you know, Gokaio, all these yeah. other Sentai O machines. Um, so that makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad you had, you know, all that at command, because I hadn't realized, and I guess I'd forgotten the girls' last names worked the same way, basically. Um, or the inners, anyway. Yeah, uh, okay, so- H- is actually the only uh, kind of deviant from the naming pattern. Huh. Okay. Uh, her, her last name being Tomoe. Uh, but right. her, her name's, her name has kind of its own specific meanings that play into who she is. Okay. Uh, so, <clears throat> question two. Uh, what do you think about Haruka's, uh, visit with Usagi at the fountain in the park? Uh, Haruka's very clearly drawn in by Usagi, and I think she's not really sure how to handle it since her only other strong relationship really is with Michiru, and they have a very physical relationship, um, I don't think Haruka knows how to respond to emotions in a way that isn't physical, in spite of that being really inappropriate with Usagi. Um, it, I mean, this doesn't excuse the degree to which she's been kind of a creeper, and more than kind of, and is kind of pushing the boundaries of consent a little bit that she needs to back up and re-examine. But there's a lot going on in her head from a lot of different things, and I think Haruka just really isn't sure how to handle it. Huh. I think, um, man, I just, I sense so much conflict in her, and I gotta be honest, um, I, uh, and just for the listeners, uh, I, I 
set up all these questions for Sono, and they're usually, I, I try to ask questions that I can also answer uh, equally well, but obviously, you know, the first one, uh, I couldn't because I didn't have the background and I didn't do the research and she did, and this question too, I had a really hard time answering it, um, and I actually didn't make any uh, <coughs> written down notes, because I just wanted to share that my original note from the watching this episode was F.U. Haruka. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like her, but I just felt like she was pushing so hard and violating, uh, like, so much um, that it really upset me. But then, watching the rest of the episode, seeing how Mamoru received it and how Usagi, like, what she had, you know, felt from Haruka, it really put it all in a different light for me. So, like, I definitely think she's in a desperate situation and, like... Again, I don't excuse her, you know, getting too close and not, you know, asking for permission or maybe not listening or paying attention to Usagi's cues that, like, I'm uncomfortable. Um, but it's, it really puts it in a different light for me. And I, I kind of think she's, like, desperate. As strong as she is, um, I think she's up against something that she's not sure she can handle. Um, not, she's up against something that she's not sure she and Mitru can handle together. And I think she's really scared, and that's why she's acting the way she's acting, so... Yeah, uh, and that's definitely kind of always... That's really the kind of the right read on her to be taking. Again, it doesn't excuse the things she's been doing, um, but she kind of only knows how she... I'm gonna... She's very much similar to Luca uh, from Gokaijar. Okay. Um... <laughs> Which is ironic, given that I really like Haruka and I can't stand Luca. Mm. But, I don't know, uh, there's, you know, reasons, di- different reasons behind different things. Um, but it's this, this thing where she's very, very scared and has these things that she's afraid of and doesn't know how to handle. And given her situation and her position, she thinks that all, sh- the only way to handle it is just, well, I'm not allowed to be afraid, so I have to, you know, I have to be strong, and I have to kind of wear this toughness on my sleeve, and they both go about it in very inappropriate ways, um, but I'm, I guess I'm just a little more open to Haruka, uh, given that hers is on, her, the way she handles it is kind of more on an emotional ground. Like, even her physical actions are, uh, things that happen, like, emotionally. Like, she... They're all non-violent physical acts that are very inappropriate. Um, and, uh, in their own way, somewhat violent. But she's not actively, like, punching someone that she's very close to and sh- and trying to indicate trust in, like, regularly every day. Um, right. Which uh, I think makes it a little easier for me to take Haruka than it did uh, Luca. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, if you need more context on that, folks, go check out Gokaiger. Yes, do <laughs> definitely go check out Gokaiger. It's a great, uh, great show. 
Um, all right, so question three, uh, it was about Pluto not being at Moving Academy and said being at Juban University, but we basically already answered that, so we'll leave it alone. Um, oh, I forgot I'd added a bonus fifth question, huh? Um, so, uh, question four is, uh, what do you make of Usagi's lack of resolve to see Haruka and Michiru as enemies and her reticence to fight them? I don't really think Usagi wants to see anyone as enemies. Uh, she's very much... Now I'm going to make a Forze reference, and she's got kind of a, a bit of Gentaro in that way. Everyone should also go watch Forze, because it's great. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think, like, if she could be friends with the Deathbusters and just, like, sit and talk this out with them and, like, be able to make everything work for everyone, she almost definitely would. And now she's faced with these two women who carry the same mantle as her and her friends. And, like, we're all Sailor Guardians. And of course she thinks they should absolutely be their allies. They have the same goals. They're drawing power from the same well. And she knows that these people are suffering. She looks at Haruka and is like, you're going through hell and I want to do something about it. So Usagi being who she is, of course she would want to take them into her fold. And like, she would, of course she'd have this hard time looking at them as enemies when she knows that they're good people who are suffering. Um, Usagi is such a great character. Like, that's all I have to say. Um, She's more Gintaro than Gintaro. I mean, yes and no. It's she's a bit of she's a, a very <laughs> she's she's very much the same. She has very much the same core as Gintaro. Yeah. Um, but is a little more nuanced in making it happen. <laughs> Most Whereas definitely. I'm pretty sure, like Gintaro, would have gotten in a fist fight with Haruka, and then at the end of it, being just said, "Okay, we're best friends now." <laughs> And because that's literally said, no, what he does not. with most people. It, it would have literally been like Gentaro and Ryusei again. Yeah. It's essentially kind of, like, that's a very good analog. Um, whereas Usagi is kind of approaching it with a lot more nuance and wanting to consider what Haruka's feelings are and why she's doing this kind of before she makes the big push. <laughs> right. Um, but it really, honestly, I, I can't say much other than I'm just like so impressed by her as a character. And honestly, um, I, I was crying most definitely, especially, you know, when, uh, um, when Usagi and Mamoru were talking about it after the fact, and it just, it really got to me and again, like made me feel, man, I should be a better person because look at how great they are. They also have magical powers that make them more attuned. Um, but you know, it's yeah, still it's- good to strive for that. It's, this is why we have media. We learn from it. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then question five, or maybe four, I don't know, I might edit things. Uh, do you research and look into the uh, deeper meaning within most of the stuff you watch? I, we all know that is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, and I think we're uh, just about to make a little bit of a show of that. <laughs> this is true. Uh, in, um, in this next bit. So right. uh, you provided us a good a good transition. Oh to my get goodness! Unknowingly provided a really good transition for us to go into this next bit, uh, I, because you accidentally wrote about something that is very much within my field of interest. Oh, awesome! Okay, well, and I, listener, I 
I'm flummoxed right now because I didn't realize Sono had generated another page of notes <laughs> in between. Um, it's a good thing I have more time. Uh, so, uh, there's another segment I'd like to introduce. We debut and drop segments all the time here uh, on Moonspeak Phase 2 because that's how we roll. Uh, this one is getting is called Getting Schooled by Takuchi. And uh, this stemmed from a uh, rough demand that I had and then I, well... <clears throat> I let, I left myself open to knowledge. So here we go. Uh, I was a bit bothered by the erasure of, uh, what the Holy Grail is actually supposed to be. Not because we need to keep Christ in manga or anime or anything like that, but why use the phrase Holy Grail and not just have it be a magic cup? So I looked into this a bit. Uh, <laughs> just for reference, because I always do this. I've played Persona 3. I know that the cup of cards uh, heals your HP and uh, that it's from the Terra deck. Um, I usually say tarot, whatever. Uh, what's more, the tarot deck was originally a set of playing cards, which has been organized and assigned its more mystical aspects. I looked into the 52 deck, or 53, whatever, of playing cards uh, and their suits and found the suit of hearts was originally the chalice, uh, is another common writer reference there for you folks. Yes. Uh, or, <laughs> or cups. Um, the Holy Grail is a chalice. Uh, because playing cards received a lot of development and texturing by the European feudal, feudal system, uh, and the clergy played a major part in that, uh, I think it's quite reasonable to conclude that Takeuchi assigned the Holy Grail here to Usagi because she represents this spiritual loving figure who is possessed of gentleness, wisdom, and that all links back to the playing cards uh, being linked to the assumedly righteous religious order. Um, yeah, again, uh, as as a slight common Rider aside, um, all of the the four riders in Common Rider Blade are assigned, you know, playing card suits, clubs, spades, diamonds, hearts, but their names all lean back towards the original tarot suits, which is why spade is blade, um, diamonds is garin, which is galleon, which is coins, um, hearts is chalice, cups, um, I'm actually not sure directly how Liangle translates, but I know that suit is rods, which is why he has the staff. Um, right. Just the etymology of it, I've never really... I haven't looked into as closely with him because it's it's, it's Liangle, okay. and he's kind of awful. <laughs> um, I have a little bit more before you continue, if you don't mind. Oh, no, go ahead. I just uh, wanted to provide context for that. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it. Okay, so there are also these uh, <laughs> these jewels from the uh, suits of or the suit of cups wiki that I read, and there's a link. I'll pu- I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, the Queen of Cups, uh, th- the card of the Queen of Cups depicts a queen on her throne at the seaside. She holds a cup. She looks into. She sees visions within. Uh, it indicates a woman who has the gift of intuition and is able to offer good advice. She also may harbor a secret she is willing to share with you. Uh, the King of Cups, depicted uh, on some of these old cards, is a king holding a scepter. Uh, he floats upon the water on his throne. Uh, it indicates someone who is kind, even-tempered, balanced, and wise. He may be a member of the clergy or a counselor, professor, psychologist, doctor. He is a symbol of quiet strength and is calming and reassuring. Doesn't that sound like Neo-Queen Serenity and King Endymion? Not only does that sound like Serenity and Endymion, it sounds like Michiru and Haruka. 
which Ooh. is very interesting given the lines that these respective pairs of kings and queens are crossing with each other and how they're all developing from it. I feel like, again, a thing with tarot is the upright, uh, the upright reading and the reverse reading. And we may be able to kind of look at Haruka and Michu as the reverse reading or like kind of the reversed version of those cards of Serenity and Endymion kind of ha- nice. with how they're playing with each other. Um, and we are speaking my language. And as I started typing this up, I hoped that I was not going to get too long winded, um, and tried to prevent myself from spiraling off for 8,000 years about card meanings and card divination. Um, and also not spiral off to talk about Common Rider Blade, uh, cause that is a thing I've put a lot of time and thought into. Um, because I'm very, very into playing cards um, and card divination. I find it all very fascinating, and I have, like, 60 decks of playing cards. Um, but, and I mean, this is all very interesting with the, the Queen of Cups and the King of Cups, and I wanted to kind of lean in on the Holy Grail itself, um, since you covered those two, um, and kind of what the Suit of Cups is uh, in uh, card divination. The suit of cups has the element of water, uh, through which we have two parties in this arc directly doing divination, uh, Michiru and Kalanite. Um, and it's very much about emotional balance and expressing emotions and how you relate those emotions to others. And, and those emotions through your relationships. And this is unsurprisingly very much at the core of what we're doing in this arc of Sailor Moon. Um, Usagi and Mamoru with each other and with Haruka and Michiru, who are also, who also have this with each other. And to an extent with Chibiusa and Hotaru, um, which will, is a thing that will come up more later. Um, but the Ace of Cups is specifically kind of about spiritual wisdom and trusting your in- instincts and your heart and how that affects your physical senses, um, which is now something we've discussed on all three Trial of Heroes shows. Um, it's interesting how all of those things are coming together, uh, all at once. Um, we've, we've talked about kind of trusting, trusting your heart on both Uncommon RX and Laser Knees, uh, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so this yeah. seems to be a running theme at Toei right now. Don't, don't forget to check out those shows, folks. Yeah, you should do that. Uh, we're, we talk about some good stuff. Um, but upright, the Ace of Cups, which is, um, there's a hand that extending from the clouds, which is holding a chalice. Uh, that has five streams of water kind of running out of it for each of the five senses and a bird, um, kind of coming down into it with a host, um, which is interesting. Given- oh, wait, hold on, hold on. You mean like the holy host as in the body of Christ from the Catholic, uh, reading of, of scriptures? Yes. Ah. Um, I hadn't thought about, I mean, we briefly touched on that early on when they talked about hosts, but go ahead. I'll let you continue. At least in in the, I believe it's the uh, Rider Waite, uh, has that imagery. Okay. Uh, which is the most common uh, tarot deck, kind of the default, um, kind of the default for the imagery. Um, and upright that the Ace of Cups is very much about emotional fulfillment and 
I'm sure we all know how that feeling can, of emotional fulfillment can bring about, quote-unquote, power, uh, you know, emotional strength and confidence, which can very much tie into the idea of the Holy Grail as an object that gave Serenity mysterious power beyond her already immense power in times of crisis. Um, it's also about love, be it romantic or platonic, being at the core of whatever the situation is, which is very true for all parties involved. Usagi is love. Um, like, that's just the very core of who she is, and the positivity of that is what fuels and drives her, and to an extent also Mamoru. And it's the core of the bond between Haruka and Michiru. Um, there's actually an OVA, I'm not sure if it was an OVA special or like a TV special, um, that was specifically about Haruka and Michiru, and, um, Haruka, something, something happens to Haruka and this, and Michiru has to save her, and Michiru does something very, very risky, um, that could have destroyed a lot, and the enemy's like, you were willing to, to like risk the whole world to do this, and Michiru's response is, a world with, I don't think you realize that a world without Haruka isn't worth living in. Um, which kind of shows the extent of the relationship between them. Um, but Usagi wants to share this love that she has for everything with the people around her, and she wants to spread that positive energy as far as she can, and, I mean, that's apparent with what Crystal Tokyo becomes. Um, where, you know, it's, there just isn't bad things. And she's absolutely driven to connect with these new people that have w stepped into her path and share that love with them. Uh, but the Ace of Cups reversed is about being too emotional and needing to pull back. And about having too many emotions clouding things, which leaves all parties vulnerable and possibly attacked by these emotions, which sounds very much like what Usagi and Mamoru have been going through. But it can also indicate holding back emotions and repressing them, and the damage that that can cause, which sounds very much like Haruka. Hmm. And to an extent, Michiru. And this all seems to very much tie into the narrative of, at hand, and kind of the cosmology that Takeuchi has set up with the Holy Grail, which I guess in in this cosmology does have some religious significance since serenity is essentially God. This is true. <laughs> huh. Wow. I had no idea at the start of making these notes that this was going to go here, but I'm glad it did. You know, it's definitely, there's a lot of really interesting things to explore um, in that, um, definitely look at look at these things in the context of Common Rider Blade. Um, specifically, um, I have some notes somewhere about the readings of the aces of each suit and how how you would read things depending on how many aces turn up. Hmm. And it's really bizarre how closely it fits. Um, kind of with how many riders are doing things at a time and the order in which they show up. And it's very, very interesting. Um, hmm. 
Well, I'll, I'll stop you before you go on to a blade tangent there, because I, yes, I can... Yes, because this is not the right show for that. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> tell you're trying to hold Even back. slightly. <laughs> um, huh, very interesting. I don't know where to go from there. We've run out of notes. We're out of time. Uh, so, uh, I guess we should say goodbye to everybody, right? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much everything for this episode uh, so we can probably call it on this one and I guess we'll see everyone next week and see where everything goes yes oh by the way I watched a couple episodes of uh, of the VizDub and uh, I would like to say farewell until next time because <laughs> that seems to be the thing <laughs> oh, un- <laughs> until next week everybody um, we're looking forward to it We'll see you then. Uh, feel free to, you know, drop us, drop us some feedback. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs>